What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast. This is Clark. And Bobby Jean. So glad you're here. Let's get started. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Wake Before the Day podcast. This is Clark. And this is the person tagging along with Clark. (laughs) He's got a lot of energy here for you guys. (laughs) Haven't had my afternoon coffee yet, my my second coffee. Goodness gracious. We are in Hebrews chapter 8. Yes. What are we talking about? Well, a lot. I think before we jump into what this chapter is talking about, we have to remind everyone where we've been. Didn't Mater say that? Oh, Mater. The wisdom that you can glean from, from Disney movies. Mater, specifically. It doesn't I mean, matter where I'm going, just need to know where I've been. Where I've been. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to look at where we've been. First seven chapters. Yeah, so um, if you're following along in Hebrews, we uh, a few chapters ago we talked about how Jesus is higher than the angels. And then we talked about how Jesus is higher than um, Moses and different priests. And now we're finally have gotten to chapter nine, where we're reading about the superior, the superior chapter eight. Oh my goodness. Chapter eight. I need, I need a little bit of whatever Clark's drinking over there to get some energy. We're reading in chapter eight about this. Now Jesus as the high priest and about his superiority and how he ushers in this new covenant and how through him, we have this totally new way that we're viewing our relationship with God. And it comes to a little bit of a climax in the middle of this book. Literally verse one of chapter eight says, the point of what we are saying is this, right? We have this high priest. So this build up, like Bobby just said, and now we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of what does this mean for us? Mm-hmm. And so if you keep going, there's a lot of kind of religious language like we've talked about before, where the people that were listening at this time would have known what tabernacle and covenant and, and even high priest, they would have known what those words me- meant in a really intimate way. And so it would have whole, held huge significance for them. Mm-hmm. And so before we jump into with what kind of stuck out, um, we just want to break down and give definitions for some of these words. Yep. So the tabernacle, one of the first things things it was basically this enormous tent that mm-hmm. the that God's people carried around in the Old Testament mm-hmm. they would um, build it up when they would fo- were following God's presence in the cloud of smoke pillar of fire once they left Exodus right and when God moved they moved and so they would pack up their tent their tabernacle and go when they would stop and set it up within the tabernacle they had it set up where certain people could go to certain rooms right. there was one area uh, one physical place where God's presence dwelt. If you think about later on, temples are built, and it's in the temples that, again, there's different sections. Mm-hmm. The, the center of the temple is called the Holy of Holies, and that, again, is where God's presence dwelt. Mm-hmm. Um, the other kind of word that's thrown out here often is this word of covenant. And covenant, again, is it's a legal agreement that lays out the guidelines and rules for how a relationship would work. And so there are covenants made on earth. Now there's a particular covenant made between God's people and God that this chapter references often. Mm-hmm. And then just high priest, like the, another word and um, term that you're going to hear all the time throughout the Bible and in today's chapter. And Specifically, the high priest would have been the one man that could go into that specific room where the presence of God was to offer sacrifices and to to kind of represent um, our our people to the Lord. And so, um, 
the high priest is that one guy, like Clark said, that could go into the different rooms of the tent or in the tabernacle, that one man that could go into the room and actually be in the presence of God. And so why that's significant now is because this um, this chapter is talking about how Jesus um, totally uh, renews that in this relationship with God, that, that we get to do that. We actually get to be in God's presence now in this new covenant because of what Jesus has done. And so Clark kind of referred to tabernacle and covenant, and he had kind of fleshed those out for you. But all the time you're hearing in this chapter, the first covenant, the first covenant, the first covenant, I think in verse eight is one of the times that that's referenced. Yeah. You want to read it? Sure. Can you read that? I think I'm in the wrong. There we go. So this is chapter 8, verse 8. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And so we keep hearing this new covenant, new covenant, and how um, this new covenant is going to be awesome. But first, let's actually reflect back and think, okay, what, what was the old covenant? And so in the Old Testament, you've heard about um, there's this, the specific one that we'll kind of hit on is the Mosaic covenant. And so there's other ones, but it's this agreement that God's making with his people. And so you might have heard of the Ten Commandments, or you might have heard of how um, there were these rules written out on stone or on paper from prophets or Old Testament um Leaders. Leaders, yep. And so those all had to deal with our behavior and how we should act unto the Lord and how we can and should relate unto the Lord. So, um, you know, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. um, um, Do not worship any other gods. But what we're we're getting now to understand was that there was still a problem with that because um, like you read later in this chapter, it was that the hearts of the people, the hearts of the people were unaffected. And so even while their behavior might've been changing, which really wasn't even the case, we read all the time about how their behavior was still, yeah. they were still stinkers. Murder and war, but lying the, and cheating. All kinds <laughs> right. Of stuff. Right. And so what we learn in that was that um, that wasn't addressing the issue. The issue was the heart issue, not the behavior issue. Yeah, and so there's a great deal of hope, and that's where Jesus enters the scene because there's a new way of doing things. There's a new sheriff in town. And so if you look at Hebrews 8, um, verses 8 through 12, I'm going to read this to you right now so we're on the same page. Bobby actually read verse 8. I'll pick back up in verse 9. And so it says, It will not be like the covenant I made with the forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. He's talking about the Mosaic covenant, the Ten Commandments, like Bobby said. When I turned away from them, declares the Lord, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. Mm -hmm. After that time, declares the Lord, I'll put my laws in their minds Mm -hmm. and write them on their hearts. Mm -hmm. I'll be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And so there's some significant takeaways from this when you look at what's happening as this new covenant's entered. Mm -hmm. Pick it up in verse 10. So the beginning part of verse 10, one of the main principles that we're going to take away, um, so verse 10 again sounded like this. Um, that I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. So the main takeaway is we're not going to have, um, you know, stone 
laws written in stone or tablets written on laws written on tablets, but we're actually going to have this inner truth and these principles written on our hearts, and and we're going to have this knowledge and truth within us. We're going to have soft hearts. And, and if I could jump in real Please quick, do. with a tablet, you had the one leader who had the tablet, and he would carry it around with him, but no one else had it. The beautiful thing about this being on our heart is that's inside of us, and you're gonna be able to carry this with you, mm-hmm. no matter where you go. Mm-hmm. So it's not like uh, oh, I can take up this law and put it off. It's no, it's with you all the time. There's mm-hmm. a new way of doing things. And then um, the next part about verse 10 specifically, it kind of speaks to the intimacy of the relationship. So one of the principles that we get from that is the verse itself sounds like this. I will be their God and they will be my people. The principle that we get from that is that we get to have this intimate relationship with God. Like Clark said, it's not saved for that one high priest or that one, you know, how Moses was able to go up on a mountain and encounter God and have a relationship that way with, with Yahweh, with the Lord. But it's actually for all of us that we get to enter into this intimate relationship with Jesus every day, every morning, you know, all the time because mm-hmm. of what Jesus has done. And the passage continues in verse 11. It says, No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. One of the other takeaways is that sinful ignorance against God will be removed forever. And again, why is that? Because the law is going to be written on our heart. You think about Jeremiah 33. You think about Ezekiel 36. These are Old Testament prophets that told about how God's going to give us a new heart. And how does that happen? to the giving of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so verse 12, it says, God will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Hey, Winnie. Hey, Kirby. (laughs) Winnie's going to Kirby's room? Yeah, for a nap time. Okay, cool. Um, That you're going to have the forgiveness of sins. It's going to be an everlasting reality. Because the Old Testament law, you'd have to travel. You'd have to kill some poor animal, give it to this random high priest. You probably didn't know him. And they would slaughter the goats, the pigeons, the animal, and you'd have temporary forgiveness of sins. And then you'd have to do this again and again and again. And now you're just saying, hey, you and I get to go right to God and say, God, look, I I had an angry outburst there. Would you Mm -hmm. forgive me? Mm -hmm. And God will forever forgive you for that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's a game changer right there as God deals with our hearts. Mm -hmm. This passage as a whole, kind of, um, as we were reading it, I just felt uh, just an easy, funny moment, Holy Spirit moment just pop up. And one of the pictures um, that the Lord kind of gave me was uh, parenting. And so uh, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't, but uh, this resonated with me from chapter eight. And what made me think of was just how within parenting, you know, if, um, well, within parenting to begin with, I want my kids to be good listeners and I want them to be obedient. (laughs) And, um, oh, that makes me laugh. And, um, I also want that. (laughs) And so that's one of the things that we work on is, you know, be, how can we be a good listener? We're making eye contact. We're, you know, we're doing these things. Be, um, at one day I really was just sitting down. Why is this important to me? What, why is this type of intentional parenting that I really feel like, um, honors the Lord? Why is that important to me? Well, it's important to me because I want to actually have a relationship with my kids now. And as they grow older, you know, I don't want them to be mindless robots that are just doing what I'm telling them to do. Um, because just we're because bri- we're bribing them or, or because something. we're bribing them or be or just because they want to please us with their behavior 
Um, I want to parent, parent in an intentional way and have a relationship with my kids um, when they get older. And so now I need to do the work of of actually instilling and investing um, conversation so that we're not just talking about superficial behavior change, but we're talking about why are we doing the behavior that we're doing. Our hearts. Right, right. And so um, anyway, and so that was just one of the examples that kind of popped up in my head was like, Bobby, the Old Testament and that old covenant revealed to us a way that we are relating to God um, that was only changing the behavior and that was superficial. And now God has invited us into this relationship because of what Jesus Christ has done, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we actually get to share our heart with God. And that's one thing to even describing it to our kids. Like, how does that work? So Jesus died on the cross, but he lives with us. How does that work? And so just the truth of that, that yes, Jesus died, he resurrected, he's sitting at the right hand of God, and he sent Holy Spirit to come and dwell in our hearts so that he could be with us every single day. And so that these um, issues that we would come up wouldn't be just superficial things about our behavior and, and, you know, being compliant and being obedient just because of coercion or bribery, but because of an actual heart change and an intimate relationship. Yeah. So as we wrap up today, one of the things I'll give you is this. If you're a parent, you never bribe your children unless you're traveling. (laughs) And then all rules are out the window. Candy, gum, money. Don't kick that random guy in front of you. I will bribe. But uh, (laughs) summing up today's Hebrews chapter eight, it's all about your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And because Jesus has been become greater than Moses, angels, the high priests, right. you name it, he's offered this relationship to you. So spend time thinking about that. Hope you have a fantastic week. Next week, Wednesday, we're going to be actually addressing a question that was sent to us about prayer. And that is regarding um, to what extent are we supposed to submit our prayer request to God? And then at what point are we supposed to pray in faith and try to you know, demand or call something into being. There's a balance there, and there's a large spectrum within Christianity. So we're going to discuss that. Yeah. And uh, sorry, I do have one more thing. Please. I didn't even run it by you yet. Um, Pastor Mike Kim, Pastor Ken asked me to announce it on here. If you're listening and you haven't taken the Emmanuel questionnaire yet, would you please tag into our website or our app or our social media account and take that? We're trying to figure out how we can best serve everybody online. That'd be a huge help. Okay, that's all I got. Yeah, God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. Have a great day.